This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We have lots to get to just hours before NBA free agency starts. We will start Scoop Podcast episode 157 with a new player hitting the free agent market. He is Bloomington native, former Bloomington Jefferson high school star. He played with the Wolves the last two years. The Wolves made the news official on Saturday waving this person. He is as good as it gets when it comes to all the charitable work he and his wife do. He is an A-plus individual. Hopefully his NBA career continues for many more years. He is Cole Aldrich. Cole, just take us through the emotions that you're experiencing here on Saturday afternoon as the news is now official that, that the Wolves did wave you. You know, it's, a, it's obviously a, a, a tough day, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at all the memories that I, that I had while I was here. Um, you know, my two years here have been absolutely awesome. You know, growing up here, playing for the team that you know I, I grew up watching, and making um, the playoffs this last year was was just an absolute blast. I mean, in many ways, I mean, is there maybe some stuff to celebrate? I mean, you're just talking about how great the last two years was, and frankly, you might find a new team, Cole, that actually uses you, that you play more minutes. So maybe in some ways, you know, is there some positivity from today? You know, every every situation is different. You know, I've I've always said that you have to star in your role, and you know, my role this last year was was to be a guy to to help the locker room, to you know, talk to the guys like Tyus or or Cat when I when I see something in the game that they may not see. You know, just just talk to them about different things, and you know, that was my role, and you know, I tried to star in it as best as I could, and you know, I, I had a great time and. In, in the teammates and organization, you know, uh, I just had so much fun. Is the final chapter written on your Wolves career? Like, if they circle back in like three, four, five, six weeks, if you're still available, I mean, are you open to coming back? Oh, definitely. You know, I'm I'm, I'm always open to, to to seeing that option. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what this next few weeks or this next month uh, in, in titles, but you know, I, I am looking forward to it. Free agency is. Uh, that was a little bit of a stressful time, but, you know, I, I think now in, in the position that I am, eight, eight years in the league, you, you know what you're going to get with with a guy like me. You're going to get a great locker room guy, a guy that can play, and, and I'm just going to start my role and and uh, just try to have as much fun as we can and, and win as many games as we can. Cole, was it a bit of a head-scratcher? I mean, three years ago at the Clippers, you played a lot. You had a lot to do with the team. They had a lot of success. You rightfully earned a really nice contract. You come here, and you just didn't play that much. Was it a head-scratcher why you weren't playing more? Um, you know, throughout my career, it, there's, there's been so many ups and downs and in, in, in the situations you can look at it any way that you want, but, but you have to make it, you know, as best as you can. Um, obviously, not playing is it's hard because I'm, I'm a competitor and, and I'm an athlete and that's what I want to do is get out on the court and compete and have fun. But, you know, my, my role was, was not of that, at least as, uh, as of last year. But, you know, you never know. I, I've been in situations where I, I hadn't played for half of the season and then I started playing for 40 games or I had played and then I stopped playing. So, you know, you, you just go in and, and, and you work hard and, and you just try to take advantage of every opportunity that's given. Do you feel like, and I'll let you go after a couple more, do you feel like that you still have a lot of good basketball in you, that if you do join a new team, that you can help that team, you know, whether it's next year for the next handful of years? 
Oh, I definitely do. Um, you know, I'm I'm 29. I'm, you know, I guess maybe getting a little older in uh, in that aspect. But you know, my body feels great. Um, I don't have a whole lot of miles on my body, so you know, being in that world of being on good teams and, and knowing what it takes to win, you know, I, I could definitely be an asset to the team. How is your family taking the news? My colleague Joe Schmidt went to your mom and dad's house the day you signed with the Wolves. I mean, they were just, they were smiling endlessly. They were on cloud nine. How is your family handling the news? Oh, you know, it, it's, it's tough, obviously. You know, they, they, they loved every minute of me being here. But at the end of the day, you know, we knew that we probably weren't going to be here the rest of my career. And, and you just, you enjoy it as much as you can while we're here. I'll leave you after this. Do you feel like the Wolves have a bright future? I really do. Um, you know, after last year and then coming into this year, you know, seeing what they did last summer, this, this next week is, is going to be really fun to kind of watch to see what happens and unfolds. It's, uh, it's a great way to kind of build off of what we did last year. We won a lot of games last year, and, you know, we were like a half a game out of being in the fourth spot. And, you know, there, there's, some, there's some really good bright futures uh, ahead of, uh, of the Wolves here. I lied. One more quick one. You know this, that, that Tibbs <laughs> takes a lot of heat here in town. What about Tibbs maybe would surprise us? We don't get to be in that inner circle. You were in that inner circle for the last two years. I mean, do you think Tibbs, put it this way, Cole, does, does Tibbs take too much heat in this town? I think he does. You know, I, I, I know he puts a lot of pressure on himself, but at the same time, you know, all that he wants to do is win. It's just like any coach, any player, he wants to win. And, you know, going from... 20 or 32 wins one year, and then we gained 14, 15 wins this year. I mean, how, how do you take that heat? You know, we had a good team, and, and sure, you know, we, we barely snuck into the playoffs, but you look at the West, I mean, how many teams there were in the West that were four or five games over 500? You know, he, he's done a great job so far. Cole, thank you so much. I know I speak for many when I say I wish you nothing but the best, and I'll certainly be in touch. Thank you. I appreciate it. One of the good guys, Cole Aldrich, while he didn't completely close the chapter on his Wolves career, the chances of him being back are incredibly minimal, even though he is very well liked. He certainly did not create any sort of sideshow, you know, wondering why he didn't play anything like that. I mean, he was the perfect teammate. He is such a good guy. We wish him nothing but the best. I can add on Aldrich, the Wolves still have a couple days to decide how to handle the salary cap hit. My sense is I've tweeted this a few times. I will now verbalize it. I think I verbalized it maybe on the last podcast. I've been doing so many of these interviews. It's hard to keep track, but that's not a bad thing. That is a good thing when people want to hear what the heck you have to say, why you want to hear what I have to say. Hey, that's on you, not me, but I'll keep putting out all these podcasts, all these radio shows, TV shows, and all that TV sportscasts, at least on Channel 5. Anyway, I've been saying now for a bit, I will reiterate it now, that yeah, it's subject to change, that something could change here in the next 48 hours or so. The Wolves have until Monday to decide, but indications right now are the Wolves will stretch Cole Aldrich's cap hit over a three-year period. So instead of taking one lump sum cap hit this year, about $2 million, 
They will spread it out over three years, approximately $700,000. So again, the headline would be, the expectation is, the Wolves will wave and stretch Cole Aldrich, not just simply wave. I'll get to some free agent names to keep an eye on when it comes to the Wolves, but I will play back now a conversation I had on 1500 ESPN on Friday with Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant general manager. He now works for ESPN analyst slash insider. He knows as much about the NBA salary cap as anyone on this planet. He was nice enough to join. I filled in for Phil Mackey, so I was on with Judd Zolgad, 9 to 1 on 1500 ESPN on Friday. Marks joined us at noon. The first question I had for Bobby was about the mid-level exception. Will the Wolves have full use of the mid-level, approximately $8.5 million per year, or will they only have about $5.3 million of the mid-level to spend? Because bottom line, that's pretty much the difference between them having a crack at a guy like Avery Bradley or Joe Harris, even though there's no Joe Harris Wolves team, or going after a free agent like Dante Cunningham, Anthony Tolliver, James Ennis, guys like that. So that's where we started the conversation with Bobby Marks. No, you're right. They're right around $110 million in salary. Uh, that includes that does not include the full salary of Cole Aldrich. Um, that only includes the two million dollars that's guaranteed. His date to be guaranteed is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I would expect um, we'll see something there. I would be surprised if Aldrich is still on a team pass tomorrow. Yeah, so I mean he'll be gone. Of, yeah. yeah, and I think Bobby, they wave and stretch him. So I think they stretch those cap hits over a three-year period. Well, the one thing I would be concerned about. If you do that, is that then you are paying the ta- you're you're going to be in the tax next year? Okay. Frankly. All right. Well, then so, I don't think they want I, that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something for them to, to figure out, and I think a lot of it has to do with the priority of this year's free agent class. But yeah, so you have um, you'll have the full uh, mid level, which is right around will project to be right around eight point six million dollars, and you'll have your biannual, which is at three point four. If you use more than five point three of your um, of the mid level. Then you become hard capped. The hard cap is at 129 million. So you you could still use it. Um, it's just a matter of now you got to pay attention to. And I don't see the, I don't see um, Minnesota getting close to that 129 number. Um, if anything, they'll be probably around maybe 122. They'll be probably right at the tax if they use the full amount, barring any moves. Um, so the, it is still there to use. Now the the hard part is too is that what do you do with your second round pick, uh, Kata Bates Diop? The, the trend is that um, second-round picks have been signed, signing to three-year contracts, four-year contracts, and to do so, you have to use part of your mid-level to, to, um, to sign a player. So if you're taking, you know, 900000 out of 8.6, that starts to, decre- starts to decrease, you, uh, decrease it a little bit. So you, you still have the exception, but just a matter of, if, you know, you being a hard-cap team um, by using more than, you know, that, that allotted amount. So, a best case, what what is your projection about the type of player or who this team can get uh, on the market in the coming days, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, I think you are. Yeah, I think the Avery Bradley name is a, is a good name. You are going to see a high priority of players that thought we're going to we're going to make twelve to fourteen million dollars are going to probably take a step back and are going to be lumped into that mid level range, and that's that's the priority there. So, you are looking at guys like. Um, uh, Avery, you were looking at guys like Wayne Ellington, 
Um, you might even be looking at guys like J.J. Redick in that range, although Redick made a big number last year, but that was a one-year um, that was a number, one-year number. Um, guys like Will Barton, I think, are a little bit probably priced out of that. He might be in that ten to twelve million dollar range. Um, Tyreek Evans, I believe, falls in that range, even though he had a good year. So, yeah, that's kind of your your pool of um, that's your pool of players that you're probably going to focus on to try to build up your depth a little bit. Bobby, can you lay out what it means to be hard capped? and why the Wolves don't or do want to be hard-capped, so maybe they only want to spend 5.3 of the mid-level compared to over $8 million? Yeah, so, I mean, the salary cap, it's, it's a soft cap. So the salary cap's at $101 million, but, you know, there are certain exceptions that, you know, when you re-sign your own players, um, you can exceed the cap. Um, what, the, what the league did, you know, back in the, uh, I think it was the 2011 CBA, it, it really restricts teams to kind of build up their payroll. Like for example, the Rockets, you know, we, we, we're talking about LeBron. Um, if the Rockets acquired LeBron in a, in a sign-and-trade they become hard cap at that number, and you cannot exceed that. Um, so if you are Minnesota and you become hard cap and you are at $123 million in payroll, if there's a trade out there during the season that you are willing to take back salary, you're not going to be allowed to exceed that number there. So it's um, it's more for teams that are you know, in that 126 to 127 range. If you're in that 120 to 122 range where I think the Timberwolves could be, I think it gives you a little bit more breathing room. Why, in your mind, uh, did, did the cap not go up more? Because was it three years back when the TV uh, cash kicked in that the cap went sky high? Was, was there an expectation that, that it would continue to rise more? And is this surprising, do you think, to teams that it didn't? No, it's not surprising. It's, you know, we went from um, $74 million in um, – Fifteen, sixteen to would we jump twenty million to the year Durant signed in Golden State? Yep. The you know the league and the players association had the opportunity to go through uh, smoothing, where instead of taking that twenty million jump, they would they could have leveled it out over the next five or six years here, and we would have had a more of a level, um, you know, more of a level level um, you know cap situation. And we jumped that we jumped to twenty million. Uh, we jumped a little bit more, and then everything really flattened out. Now what happened is, is that, and I, I equate it almost like to the you know the housing market. You know, you buy high, and then when the market starts to settle a little bit, when you're trying to sell that house again, you just can't find takers for. It. And that's what the teams that went out in 2016 and spent a lot of money. You got you got caught up with the cap basically kind of evening out right now. Um, the cap will um, we will get a little bit of a market reset in next year, and then the following year when. You know, who knows what's going to happen with, this, with all this gambling legislation that's coming in. Um, so it will get better, but this is not a good summer um, if you're a free agent out there to try, to try to get a big contract. We're talking with ESPN insider Bobby Marks. Bobby, can you explain what it means to be in the luxury tax? And certainly if the Wolves can find a way to sign Jimmy Butler to a long-term deal, certainly Carl Anthony Towns, I have a hard time seeing him turning down max money off his rookie deal. You've got Andrew Wiggins making ridiculous money. You've got Jeff Teague for the next couple of years. I don't think he's giving up the player option a year from now at $19 million. Then you've got Gorgie Jang making $16 million a year. So if you're Glenn Taylor, you know, the Wolves owner, what are you looking at in terms of potentially being in the luxury tax, whether it's this summer or a year from now? Yeah, I mean, your, your costs start to build up. I mean, it's hard when you have, you'll have potentially probably three max players with Andrew uh, Jimmy next year and what you do with Carl this summer for an extension. 
Uh, the, you know, the luxury tax is really, um, you know, is in place. It's a, it's a punitive um, penalty where you get charged for every dollar you spend when you go over the, uh, you know, for this year, let's say $123 million, and it's broken up for tiers. So the, the first tier is, you know, $1.50 for every dollar you spend, and, it keeps, and it, it's a progressive tax. And it's really up to your ownership group as far as if you are willing to pay that. You know, some teams like, um, you know, Cleveland this year had a $55 million tax, and that is a bill that you pay in one lump sum, and you pay that to the league, and half of that gets distributed to the teams that are under the luxury tax. So you're basically supporting some of the other teams, and then you don't you lose out on that distribution. It gives you a smaller um, uh, um, exception. You, you now have the, the uh, tax mid-level, which is only at 53 um, but I would say that it's really up to your ownership group if you are, you know, some teams are really hesitant to pay it. I mean, when we were in Brooklyn, we paid it and we paid a lot of money. Um, but I think you can, you can justify it if you have a good team on the court. If you're a team that's fighting to get into the playoffs um, or out of the playoffs, um, it's hard to have a top 10 payroll and, and, and pay a luxury tax. A year from now, do you think that Butler re-signs here, or is the the market and cap going to be such that that even though he might get less somewhere else in the short term, it would be he'd be incentivized to explore his options? Well, there'll, there'll be more teams next year that have cap space. So this year, you know, it would have been this would have been the perfect year for Jimmy Butler to be a free agent because there really is not many options besides you know the Lakers and Philly. Um, next year, we'll have about fifteen teams. So. I would expect him to. Um, I would expect him to probably explore his options. You know, he can certainly make a lot more um, by staying in Minnesota. I think it's about forty-five, forty-five million dollars more if the Timberwolves want to give him a five-year contract. But that's a, you know, if you're in Minnesota, and I understand you made the trade. It's a lot of money to give to, to Jimmy Butler, who I think has a little bit of you know wear and tear on those uh, those tires right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in year four and five, and I think. If your team's like Houston with Chris Paul, it's similar, but Chris is a little bit older. It's like you, you're you're going to pay now with the, with the, you know and get good production, but you're really going to be impacted in you know in that the later part of that you know contract. So if you're Jimmy with that wear and tear, I mean, is there any scenario where it would make sense for him to take the guaranteed money this summer and not wait until next summer to to be a free agent? You know what? I, I doubt he will. I'm sure that's something that Minnesota will explore. He he can sign an extension for four years, a hundred million. So it's about you know eighty five, eighty six million less than he can get. But it's mm. you know it's I know it sounds a big difference, but hey, it, it's hard when someone presents a hundred million dollars in front of you and you you've been banged up a little bit in your career. And if he doesn't, then it's more of a sign that he's kind of willing to bet on himself. Your best guess: Where does LeBron sign? I think he goes back to Cleveland on a on a two year deal with a player option for the second year and goes back into free agency next year. So the whole thing on uh, okay in nineteen. I think I think all these guys stay. I, it's kind of anticlimactic saying that, but I think Paul back to OKC, Chris Paul to Houston, LeBron back to um, back to Cleveland, and then uh, and then it would set the stage. I just don't see a perfect scenario for him. I, I really don't. I think every team that's got room to go out and sign him Philly, the lakers and cleveland all have pros and cons it's not there's a you know the, the pros outweigh the cons and um i wouldn't be surprised if he does a one-and-one and then which would be fascinating because then next year really sets up to a in, in, into one of the, probably the best free agent classes that we've seen in a long time bobby on my drive in i heard you on the national espn radio morning show talking about how much you love utah why do you I love do. utah so much 
Well, A, I love their coaching staff. I got to spend a couple of days out there in between my Nets job and getting into the media and just from a player development standpoint, I I am a big believer in, in Quinn Snyder and what they were able to do um, you know, with the bookends with Rubio and, and um, Gobert. Now we talk about Donovan Mitchell, his role um, there. I think guys know their role. I think a lot of it will depend on what happens with Derek Favors, of course. Um, I think if they don't bring back favors, that is certainly um, that will certainly hurt them as far as how they play. But I just I just like you know how Dennis Lindsay, their GM, has drafted. Um, I like the Grayson Allen pick. Um, they've got a ton of flexibility next year um, if they want to go out and um, go out and get a player and stuff. But uh, I just I'm a big I'm just a big believer on what Quinn's been able to do with that group. Leave you with this, Bobby. Back to the Wolves. What is the money difference? With Carl Anthony Towns, I presume they would write into the language of its extension this summer that that if he's what all NBA again a year from now, does he get what thirty percent of the cap, not twenty five percent? How much money can Carl Anthony Towns make? I guess max wise on on an extension. Yeah, so he'll, his agent, uh, who is also Joel Embiid's agent, um, that he has the negotiating power to write. He, uh, you know, based on if he earns All NBA first, second, or third team, into the language that up to 30% of the cap. So, if you are um, the Timberwolves, you could say that Carl can earn 27% if he earns uh, All NBA first team. If, if, if the difference would be on a 30%, um, if he earned that criteria, it's about a 30 million dollar difference. You know, his Carl's max, you know, five years, 157. That's the, that's the number on on 25% of the cap. Thirty percent is about is about one eighty eight. Mm. So there's a, yeah, there's a, it's a it's a big uh, it's a big difference there. I mean, am I nuts to suggest that the Wolves moving forward? I don't want to say they're screwed. I mean, when you've got Butler, Wiggins, Towns, you've got good players. In the case of two, maybe great players, superstar players. But with Wiggins, Jang, the potential of that Towns extension at one eighty eight. Uh, just looking at their salary cap situation, it looks like they're in salary cap hell for the next few years. Yeah, and there's a lot of teams like that. I mean, and a lot of it's 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 the cost of doing business with Houston and, and Golden State and trying to keep up with those teams. And what happens is, is when you are you know you're in the lottery for you know for a while and you are building through the draft. And I know Andrew was in a trade, um, but event you know these these control these controllable contracts that are so low, you eventually got to pay them. I mean, you're going to see that in Phoenix with Devin Booker, with New York with Porzingis. And eventually Philly and, and LA with all those young court kids that it just, it's, it's, and when you add it with veterans on high, you know, it's, it's like kind of the perfect storm there. So yeah, it ruins, it ruins your flexibility, but you better be content as far as what your group is right there. Cause that's kind of where you are. That was Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant general manager, now ESPN insider. I will hammer it home because I raised a little doubt in the conversation on Friday, early afternoon with Bobby because there is no sense that right now Glenn Taylor wants to pay the luxury tax. Now, Glenn remains silent. I've tried for the last eight weeks to get Glenn back on the podcast or for a TV interview or for a radio interview. I'm positive he'll start doing interviews again, but he has gone underground. But my sense is that Glenn doesn't want to pay the luxury tax now. Now, if you have a chance to keep Jimmy Butler long-term, you know you have to pay Towns. If you still have Wiggins a year from now, maybe a year from now is when they start shopping him, but you might have no choice but to pay the luxury tax. But I continue to hear that they will spread out that cap hit. So I fully expect, as of the taping of this podcast, at 730, 
on Saturday night that the plan is, and again, subject to change because we have a couple days to go, but the plan right now is for the Wolves to stretch the Aldrich cap hit over a three-year period. So a year from now, they will incur a $700,000 cap hit. I do have some non-Wolves notes, but I'll get to those at the very end. This will be very heavy on the Wolves because I still have some conversations to get to with their draft picks, Josh Okogie and Keita Bates-Jop. I checked with Keita. The last name is officially pronounced Jop, but he said, hey, a lot of people say Diop, just like Bobby Mark said in the interview. He's accepted that, but the official pronunciation is Keita Bates-Jop. So I will get to those conversations shortly. All right, with free agency officially starting late tonight, I anticipate the Wolves showing interest in Gerald Green, James Ennis, Dante Cunningham, Anthony Tolliver, Jeremy Grant, Avery Bradley, Nawamba from Chicago, who's a restricted free agent, but depending on what the Bulls might do, maybe they wouldn't match, but I would think he would be tough to get. And here are some other players that this regime, the Tom Thibodeau, Scott Layden regime, has shown interest in in years past. J.J. Redick and guys that are free agents. Nick Young, remember a year ago, the Wolves actually made Nick Young an offer. Lance Stevenson, he was here. Remember, he would have re-signed here if he hadn't gotten hurt. So Lance Stevenson, but so far no Lance Stevenson. Steam, Ian Clark, Marco Bellinelli, the Wolves had a brief conversation with Atlanta at the trade deadline. It didn't get very far, but Tibbs has a history with Bellinelli. And Luke Bamute. Now, Bamute was more some current Wolves players. Well, one ex-Wolves player, one current Wolves player. were trying to recruit him a year ago. Wasn't as much the Wolves front office having a ton of interest in Bamute, but still, there was some level of interest. So those are some names just to keep an eye on. Plus, there's many more. I continue to hear, though, that there's really no Joe Harris Wolves team. I've heard the Pacers, certainly the Nets have some interest in retaining him the Lakers the Rockets the Spurs there's a bunch of teams that have interest in Joe Harris to me he's an ideal fit with the Wolves but as of the taping of this podcast on Saturday night no Wolves Joe Harris steam on the trade front certainly Gorgie Jang is very available I hear that the Wolves and Knicks have had a conversation in regards to Courtney Lee the Wolves chased him in free agency a couple years ago this regime did they've had different talks with the Knicks over the last couple years, Lee has two years, $25 million left on his contract. So it's hard to see the Knicks willing to take Gorgie Jang, even though his former agent actually works for the Knicks. He's a scout with the Knicks. So you know that there's one Gorgie Jang fan in that Knicks front office, but it's hard to see the Knicks accepting an additional $23 million in salary without multiple sweeteners. I just don't think a future first plus Gorgie get you Courtney Lee. But I do hear that the Wolves have talked to the Knicks about Courtney Lee. Something I talked about on 1500 ESPN either on Friday or maybe it was a week or two ago. And it's pretty obvious. If the Lakers end up waving and stretching Luol Dang, the Wolves will have interest. So again, if Luol Dang hits the open market, that's an obvious one. The Wolves made him an offer a couple of years ago. So there's always going to be interest. Tibbs in his former players, including Luol Deng, including Joe Kim Noah. So if the Knicks wave and stretch Joe Kim Noah, keep an eye on the Wolves. So if Luol Deng and Joe Kim Noah become free agents, those would be guys to keep an eye on in addition to all the names that I laid out. The Wolves had a few European free agents in for workouts during the week. James Nunnally, Ryan Brokoff. And I hear one other pretty good player from Europe 
that played in the SEC. So these guys had individual workouts. So three different individual workouts for Wolves, free agent targets, potential free agent targets, guys that can make shots, three-point shooters. Hey, the Wolves are doing their due diligence. There's no doubt about that. Other free agency steam, the Wolves certainly have a lot of interest in retaining Derrick Rose. The question is, is somebody willing to pay Derrick Rose a lot more than the Wolves will? But certainly there is mutual admiration. Tibbs, and Rose, and I know that Rose enjoyed his time here at the end of the year, so I certainly can see a reunion there. On Jamal Crawford, I've been saying it for a couple weeks. A lot of national reporters are now hopping in on Jamal potentially ending up with the Golden State Warriors, although if LeBron ends up with the Lakers, keep an eye on the Lakers as well. He can sign for the veteran minimum. It's like $2.3 million. He gave up $4.5 million here. Not like he's living check to check, but a reminder that he was looking to get the heck out of here as fast as possible. And I don't care how much money you have, it's not easy to leave a couple million dollars on the table. But that looks like the case with Jamal Crawford. On Nemanja Bialito, Wolves restricted free agent. The Jazz, the Spurs, and the Suns, among others, have interest. It'll be hard for the Wolves if they end up signing one of these wings, it'll be hard for the Wolves to match many offers on Bielitsa and avoid the luxury tax. So there is a distinct possibility, depending on how things shake out the next handful of days, that Nemanja Bielitsa will land elsewhere. But whenever he signs an offer sheet somewhere else, the Wolves do have the right to match. The idea is he won't sign his qualifying offer. He got a qualifying offer. But the idea is he won't sign the qualifying offer that he absolutely will be testing the market starting tonight. Also, as soon as Saturday night, look for the Wolves to extend Carl Anthony Towns' a max offer. And they are expected to write into the language of the contract, if he's all NBA again next year, that he can eat up 30% of their cap. The Wolves know that there's no reason to F around with a superstar in Carl Anthony Towns. All right, let me get to my conversations with the Wolves draft picks. I will start with the first round pick from Georgia Tech. He was taken with the 20th overall pick. I know a couple teams right below the Wolves in the draft had healthy opinions of Josh Okogi, so the Wolves knew they couldn't really move back. Heck, if I found that out, I guarantee the Wolves knew that. So the Wolves knew they were either taking Okogi at pick 20 or they weren't going to get him if they moved back any further. So let me get to my conversation with Wolves' first-round pick from Snellville, Georgia. It is Josh Okogi. Josh, let's just start with draft night. Was there any thought in being in Brooklyn for the draft, or was it very important to you? I mean, we saw the video. Yeah. I mean, how many friends and family in that lounge in Atlanta? I mean, how important was that for you to have that atmosphere? Um, so my agent, you know, called me. He said, you know, don't bank on it, but, you know, there might be a very, very slim chance you get invited to Brooklyn, but you can still go. But I was like, you know, if I don't get invited, you know, I might as well share this experience with family and friends. So we rented out a little lounge and, um, you know, a lot of close friends, my teammates, coaches, um, guys who, you know, have been a pivotal part to me as a basketball player and me as a human being, you know, invited them and a lot of family friends as well. And just being there next to my mom and my dad, you know, and then Adam Silva calling my name and everybody going crazy. It's just, it's just heartwarming just to know that, you know, how many people you're able to impact and just to, how many people, you know, smiled that day. How many, I, I got endless, numerous um, calls saying, you know, you know, 
you getting drafted did a lot, a lot more for me than it did for you in terms of you know how you tell you know how you can show me you know I can do anything that you know, I put my mind to that like that right there was the highlight of the day. I mean, getting getting drafted was was um, was really cool and it's something I've always dreamed of. But me being able to impact that much people and you know giving them that much more self-esteem and you know I think that was probably you know the best part of the whole night. Well, piggyback on that. I mean, coming out of high school. Were you like a cusp top 150 recruit? I mean, you had offers, but it's not like you were McDonald's All-American, this highly celebrated athlete coming out of high school, yet just two years later, you're in a position to go top 20 in one of the deepest drafts in memory. Like, there had to be a ton of hard work that went in the last two years to go from where you were coming out of high school to where you are today. Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, I've never paid attention to rankings, McDonald's, All-Americans. I've... I've never been in a position where, you know, people talked about me. You know, I mean, I come from Snellville, Georgia. Uh, not a lot of people know what's, what Snellville is. It's not, it's not the country. It's definitely Metro Atlanta. It's still suburban. But not a lot of people know what Snellville, Georgia is, unless you're in Snellville or in Gwinnett County. So um, I haven't really been on the – I haven't been to a high school or into a system where, you know, basketball is it, like, you know – or Oak Hill, uh, uh, Sierra Canyon, or whatever um, school it may be. But I always knew, you know, being an NBA is something that I wanted to do, and I knew that it's not going to be easy, so I have to work hard for it. So I was growing up, I used to always, you know, go to the gym 5 a.m. in the morning uh, with my trainer, Dennis Williams, and we'll go to the L.A. Fitness and work out for an hour, hour and a half. Then he'll drop me off at school, go through school. And after school, you know, preseason, I would go to conditioning, after conditioning, weightlifting, and do my workouts they'll do another night workout on Monday and Wednesdays or if it was um season then I'll just you know have practice and weightlifting so but I make sure I always got my extra 5 a.m workout and you know my coach used to always tell me he found out and said we don't I don't want you doing that no more because you know I want you to get tired or fatigued but between me and you I kept doing it so um just knowing you know what it took I think that was the biggest thing and I knew I didn't do it for publicity I didn't do it for I did it for myself, and I knew because that's what, that's what it took. So, I mean, I, I was always a firm believer in, you know, hard work can never be overshadowed. So it was just a matter, to me, it, wasn't a, it was just a matter of, you know, when is this hard work going to be put into the light as opposed to me getting recognition or, you know, making some list. Uh, it, those didn't matter to me. I knew what I could do, and those around me knew what I could do, and they empowered me and gave me the confidence to keep going. And, you know, I definitely knew the end goal, but I didn't skip any steps in between, you know, Obviously went to a college that I thought that was going to be the best suitor for me in getting to the NBA, you know, made the right decisions off and on the court to, you know, help prepare me for this for this um, experience. And, you know, here I am. So definitely thank God for this. You know, without him, anything is anything is possible. So without him, nothing's possible. Sorry. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to be here. Tougher. The mental hurdles you had to overcome the last couple of years or the physical hurdles? Um, that's fine. I don't think it's tough, man. I, this, I love basketball. You know, anything you throw at me with basketball, obviously sometimes it is tough, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's love. It's, this is what I love to do, so I would never say it's tough because that's what I love to do. You said that you didn't get a lot of attention. You are now. Yeah. Do you welcome? I mean, it seems like you've got some extrovert to you that you're an outgoing individual. Yeah, most definitely. Do you welcome some of this attention? Yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I'm like you're right. I'm, I'm kind of both an introvert and an extrovert. It's kind of weird. Like, I... If I'm to myself, I don't need other people to give me energy. But if I'm out there, I'm out there still. So it's I'm cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like the attention. I'm ready to give it right back. So 
and loving this moment. Going back to all those 5 a.m. workouts, what measurables were, were jumping up for you? Like, I look at your 42-inch vertical. Did you have a 42-inch vertical two years ago? I don't know what my vertical was, actually. I, or whether it's bench, whatever it is. I mean, were there certain measurables that, that you attained with all those workouts, all the hard work that you put in? When they do all those measurements at the combine, were you like, oh, whoa, I didn't realize I you know, could jump that? Yeah, or exactly. That or... um, I've always, like, I started lifting weights in, in um, high school, um, like ninth grade. You know, I started doing benches. Uh, we always used to work on lower body, legs. I think that really helped me for college because when I got to college, you know, a lot of the, a lot of even, not even in my college, like a lot of freshmen from other colleges, they didn't never lift it in high school because a lot of it is just skill. You can play, so let's just play. So, you know, I was a lot stronger than them. And not, not necessarily even stronger, but more equipped to, to put weight on my body as far as weightlifting and bench pressing. So when I got there, you know, I picked it up like this. I was kind of far ahead of everybody else. Um, and I was, I was always a little bit naturally strong. So I always could, you know, jump, run fast. So... I never, ever quantified my abilities in the measurements, though. So, I mean, when I was going to the pre-draft um, process, you know, that's when I got with my strength and conditioning coach and say, hey, look, you know, now I want to put, quantify all these measurables and see where I'm at and rank them with the combine maybe last year. And, you know, he gave me the numbers for last year, who did what, and I kind of used that as a tool to, you know, kind of see where I'm at and what to imp- improve more on. And, um I always knew I could jump, but I didn't know. Like when I did, when I got a 42-inch vertical, I was kind of one of the first people to do it that first day. So when I got a 42-inch vertical, I didn't know the magnitude of that until everybody went and I seen nobody else got it except Dante DiVincenzo, who's also a you know a freak athlete. Then when I did my um my run, I would my because my, my it was funny because... Is that the three-cone deal? Or? No, the run. What just, is that? Uh, okay, court court just run. back and forth. When okay. I did that in school, and my trainer, time, my um, um, strength and conditioning coach timed me, he would tell me, bro, that's a fast time. But when you're doing it and you're comparing it to your teammates, you don't know how fast it really is. All you know is you're the fastest on the team. So when I did it at the combine, and I get this time, I forgot what time, 3.03 or 3.02, and then I see it at the top, and then everybody else goes the day and the next day and nobody beats it that's when you're like dang okay so I'm pretty fast so and then you know it's like the bench the bench press Bruce Brown I think had 17 had the most that day but when I got like 13 so when I made it it's kind of like whoa I when I got 13 I just thought 13 was the number I could do but not knowing okay there's not a lot of people that can do 13 or do the other things I can do in terms of measurables I think that's when it was kind of like whoa that's that's really awesome that's really unique did you lead the ACC in free throw attempts? Did I hear that right? Yep, I, I think I did about seven a game, shot about 6.8, seven a game. All right, so. call me nuts with this comparison. You can if you want to. Do you have a little Derrick Rose to you in terms of attacking the basket? One of Tibbs' favorites. The way Derrick, especially prime Derrick Rose, got to the basket. Do you have a little of that in your game? <sighs> That's so much respect for him. I don't even think I could do that to him comparing him to me. But um, I wouldn't say that. Uh, because he, he did it on a whole nother, nother level. But um, as far as having that knack for getting to the rim, I can say that. But with the tenacity, aggressiveness that, that he did in his prime, I, I wouldn't compare nobody to that. So, Same thing then with Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler's got a lot of bulldog to his game. See, that's what I like to – that's what I will compare myself to. Okay, like, good. Kind of that right. bulldog. I, I, I like that mentality, and that's how I've been coached. That's how I've been raised basketball-wise. So, yeah. So – Jimmy Butler's among guys that you look at and say, 
I want to mirror my game after after him. Most definitely. What makes Jimmy? I mean, have you admired Jimmy for the longest time? I mean, just his it's, it's the obvious comparison with yeah. you now in this gym yeah, on the same team. Yeah, but just his approach to basketball. Okay, look, man, I'm, I'm like you said, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to be that bulldog. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not going to make my game pretty. You know, a lot of guys, I feel like they try to make their game pretty, but you know, winning is hard, and any, I don't think you can make some hard look pretty. So you got to, you got to, got to play hard, and that's on everything and he, the way he plays hard on both ends is something that I that I admire so yeah. did you feel like Minnesota was a team to keep an eye on I mean yeah, yeah most definitely. name there was a lot of DiVincenzo's team now he goes 17 to Milwaukee but but a lot of people thought Dante's going 20 to Minnesota your name didn't come up a whole lot pre-draft but I knew you were in here for a workout oh uh, most so definitely they bring um, you in they had to have liked you yeah at the draft it's kind of teams that you feel good about whether it, whether it's you know how much attention they've given you or how your interviews went or how your, your pre-draft workout went and I think you know interviews went well I think my pre-draft workout went well and I thought you know as as a whole you know I like the organization and I think they you know that kind of like was reciprocated so being able to know okay Minnesota's on the clock you know I'm finally in my range of where I should be get drafted you know it's time to everybody to be on their heels on the lookout and no, oddly enough, you know, I was picked. So I think it was just a great, you know, humbling, awesome experience for me. Why number 20? I mean, is it because you went 20th overall? Yeah, I won number five, but unfortunately it was taken, and I kind of had to make a decision pretty soon. So I was like, let's go 20, you know, 20 picking the draft, and I've worn the number before in high school. So let's get it. Speaking of high school, did you cross paths with Nate Mason? No, no. Actually, yes, I did. He was a junior my freshman year. But same high school? Same high school. Okay. His junior year. Yep, his junior year. But were you guys far enough freshman. apart where they're just based on age, maybe didn't know him that well? Or was I knew there a him. relationship? I knew him. Um, it, was, it was a relationship. I mean, we didn't talk on the phone. We didn't text each other. But definitely when I was in the gym and he was in the gym, we used to always, we, we used to always like, I remember this like it was yesterday. It was funny because when he was a junior, he played on the varsity team. And I was a freshman. I played on the freshman team. And he was kind of like the man on his team. And I was like the man on my team. So before every game, we'd be like, I'm going to score 20 points this game. He was like, I'm going to score 26. I'm like, I'm going to score 28. He was like, you know what? $2. Let's see who's going who's, who's gonna, to uh, score the most. So we would try to go out there, see who scores the most. And, you know, it's a little competitiveness between me and him. And we used to always, obviously, scoring is not the most important thing. So it was like, it don't matter if you score the most, you have to win. Because if you don't win... Is you know the the, um, the 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 bet is is null. So you know we should always kind of push each other in that way, and it was it was fun, you know, because obviously everybody looked up to Nate in that school, and just to be, be able to for him to kind of push me to be the best player I could be on my team, and knowing that I kind of had an impact on how good he was going to play the night before. I mean the the night of the game, you know, it was kind of big for me, and I I played with um CP3 Team CP3 sure. AAU, yeah, and he did the same thing. Yeah. Okay. And he, he played with Team CP3, too. So the year after he played, he kind of passed the torch to me and kind of led me and told me, look, this is who you need to talk to in terms of, you know, getting on the team and kind of piggyback off to him. And that's how, you know, I got on the team. So so it's the logical next step then with his knowledge of the Twin Cities? Yeah. That, you know, reach out to him? It's crazy how I keep following him. So, yeah. <laughs> any, I mean, have you had any conversations with him? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, definitely when I got in college and, you know, he was in college and, you know, we were both on, you know, Power Six conferences and we kind of grew that kind of, rapport and uh, um, kind of strong relationship with each other. You know, I got his number. Now we text a little bit, call each other a little bit. So, yeah, I kind of equipped him. And, we're, you know, when he comes back home, you know, we'll kind of talk to each other a little bit, see each other a little bit. So relationship is growing. Maybe after this, what would surprise us about you? 
It doesn't even have to be basketball. Just the impact that I have on people. I think, you know, a lot of times people see Josh the basketball player but don't see Josh the, the, um, the person. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people say, you know, I have a good character, I'm a good person, but as far as, you know, how I like to make people smile, and I think this is a great community since it's a, you know, small city, but everybody comes together and everybody loves each other and everybody's very, very welcoming. And, you know, I just can't wait to, you know, leave my mark on this, on this own community. How many people bought your last name, by the way? Excuse me? How many people botch your last name? Um, like how many different pronunciations have you for, heard of Okogi? It's Okogi, um, right? Yeah, it is Okogi. I'll say per but 10 Okogi, attempts. Okogi, I mean, there's got to be Per 10, 10 attempts, one person will get it right. Yeah. So Adam Silver nailed it, though. Yes. Nailed it. It was perfect. Like I, I was like, wow, somebody must have told him because I know he just didn't know. But, I mean, if he didn't know, kudos to him. That was great, Josh. Thank you. No, thank you. I was a fan of Josh Okogi when the Wolves chose him after getting to know him. I'm even a bigger fan. All right, we go from the Wolves' first-round pick to their second-round pick, the Big Ten Player of the Year. The Wolves took him with the 48th pick in the draft. It is Keita Bates-Jop. Keita, let's start with the story of your brother. I don't know the whole story. Can you tell us the story and how your brother, what he overcame, serves as an inspiration to you? So uh, my brother has hypocardiomyopathy, which is a Hank Gathers thing. Um, it's a heart condition where, you know, if you go past a certain heart rate pretty much for an extended period of time it'll just give out so um, in January of 2017 he passed out that's what we figured out exactly what he had so then after that he got the surgery has a defibrillator in there he's all good now but it's kind of a wake-up call for the entire family that you know nothing you know each day is not given you know it wasn't just me it's everybody that was involved and kind of took, took a step back and figured out you know the time is precious you know it can be gone at any moment. I mean, do you think about him often when you have to deal with some adversity? Do you think about maybe some of the things you've had to deal with doesn't even compare to what your brothers had to overcome? Yeah, definitely. You know, people always say, you know, you're blessed to be able to play this game, but you don't realize it until someone close to you or you yourself can't play it anymore. So every time I go through any adversity, whether it's basketball-related or life or whatever else is going on, it's kind of, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> whatever it is, it's not that bad. And your brother was a basketball player? Yeah, he was, yeah. So, I mean, do you now in many ways, I mean, let him vicariously live through you and, and experience everything that you're experiencing? Yeah, definitely. It's part of it, but I also wanted him to also live his own life and live and find some another passion because it happened to him when he was 16. So for me, it'd be different happening to me now. This has been my life for 22 years. He was in high school. He has enough time to find another passion and find something else he you know, loves. As the draft is unfolding and, you know, the first round passes, so at that point, you go in the second round. I mean, was it all about at that point fit? And did you look at Minnesota and say, okay, they need all sorts of wing help. Minnesota would be an ideal destination. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once the first round passes, you kind of start looking at you know, what teams could possibly pick you. And I think a lot of teams pick for fit at that point. I think I fit you know, really well here. I'm a wing, uh, wing forward position. So and learning from guys like Wiggins and, and Taj Butler and trying to figure out how they, how they operate in the NBA is going to be big for me. You can play four positions, huh? You feel confident in four positions? Well, no, you, uh, Wiggins and Taj Gibson. Okay. Yeah. The, so, yeah. do you feel comfortable guarding three positions? Yeah, oh, yeah, guarding. Yeah, I'm comfortable guarding all the wing and guard positions. Okay, so yeah. the two, three, and yeah, four. depending on matchups, yeah. certain fours. Yeah. Is it just crazy how the draft process works, though? I mean, like, I had heard that Indiana, pick 23, really liked you. Like, you almost went 23. Is it just nuts to think that you almost went 23 and the way things unfold, you end up going 48? Yeah, that's the craziness of the draft. You know, each team needs certain things, so Indiana 23 would have been a great fit for me or whatever, but then you know, each team you know, thought or whatever was going on that I wouldn't have been a good fit. 
it Minnesota came back around again, you know, I thought, I'm happy they did. How much was last year a proving year for you that, that A, you had to overcome the injury, and everything happens with, with right Thad Mata leaving, new coach comes in from Butler, so you had to adjust. So, I mean, not only are you overcoming an injury, you're adjusting to a completely new system. How much was last year a prove-it year for you, and how much did you learn about yourself this past year? Oh, it was a big proving year for me. I realized that I can adjust and I can adapt really well in multiple situations. I was coming off the injury, so I had to sit on the bench and watch my team. My coach got fired, so I had a new coach, and I was still coming back, so I was still trying to teach the young guys and understand and, and also build a new relationship with the new coach, and it all worked out really well this year. But in you know, looking back at it with Coach Holtman coming in and the way he utilized you, I mean, everything in many ways happens for a reason. I mean, you could argue that Coach Holtman coming in might have been the best thing that happened to you. Yeah, definitely. Looking back on all the steps that happened from pretty much January up until now, just, you know, I'm just glad it all happened. When did the NBA first become a reality to you? Like, was it out of high school that you thought, hey, I'm a really good player coming out of high school, I've got a chance? Was it some point in Columbus, when did the NBA become a reality for you? I would say it was like a dream or whatever in, in high school that, you know, was, I was ranked highly, I was going to a big-time school, and that, that could have been a possibility. But then it was in college when you actually start learning about the NBA and what the NBA wants and needs, and then your name starts coming up and those things. That's when you realize that it could be a you know, reality, not just a dream. Where do you need to get better this summer? Uh, definitely getting my body right um, for the NBA season, AAU games, how to play that many games in the season. Um, working out whatever my role will be, whenever I figure that out, and then just honing in on whatever that is. And where can you help instantly? Like, where do you feel like, I've got this NBA skill right this second, I know I can help a team snap of the fingers? I think I can instantly help them defensively and then shooting from the outside. And you're looking forward to summer league? I mean, things ramp up here. I mean, we were just talking off camera. I mean, you're here now permanently. Yeah, it goes so fast. The draft happens. It's a nice couple of days, and then it's like, oh, we have we have summer league practice soon, and then we have summer league, and then we have maybe a week or two, and then just training, not a week or two, but then you're back here trying to find a place, and there's training camp at the end of the season. Did you watch much of Minnesota the last year or two? I mean, you know, do you admire whether it's Andrew Wiggins' game, Jimmy Butler's game, Carl Anthony Towns' game? I admire all their games, just especially their work ethic. You know, Jimmy Butler came a long way to what is seventh or eighth year in the NBA. Each year he's gotten better and better, markedly better uh, year in year. Um, and kind of knew Carl from a distance in high school and how he's improved his game. Um, the same thing with uh, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I mean, you think about Jimmy. I mean, he was not a lottery pick. You know, he had to build his way up, so, I mean, he could serve maybe as an inspiration. Yeah, I definitely do. He was a 30th pick, so he easily could have been 31st pick. He could have easily been a second-round pick. So watching his work ethic and how he went from averaging over six, six or eight minutes a game his rookie year to what he is now, and all, a premier all-star and all-NBA guy, is, you know, it's, it's testament to his hard work. I'll leave you after this, Kata. How would you describe your workout here? I mean, I'm guessing how many workouts did you have leading into the Minnesota workout? It has to be a grind in terms of does your body even recover? And you think about travel, all the airplanes you're on, different cities. I mean, heck, you're probably losing track of where you are. How would you describe the workout you had here? It was a really good workout, I think. Um, it was my 12th, it was like 13th at the time, I think. So I was nearly the tail end of my workout, so it was like four or five days before the draft. So you know, I was just happy to you know, play well. Yeah. I mean, is that hard, though? I mean, you know, these are all job auditions, job interviews. And you're just going nonstop. I mean, okay, so this was workout 12 or 13 at the very end of the process. 
Like, how do you muster up the energy, both mentally and physically, to make sure that you perform at a high level? This is not going to go on forever. Like, I knew in my mind it was going to be the last workout, so whatever energy I left, I put it in, um, did as hard as I could. You know, we get, we got a, I had a day off in between most of my workouts, so I got time to rest and time to recover as best as I could. So I wasn't, like, dead, but I was, I was you know, feeling the flights. I was feeling the workouts. Leave you with this. What about you would surprise us? Not even necessarily basketball. Maybe it's non-basketball. But what about you would surprise those of us in the media? Uh, I enjoy getting out there in nature and doing, and riding my bike around, walking around. Um, I don't like being in the house as much as people maybe would think. I, mean, I like being active, I like doing things in the community and just being out. And final one, is there a player in the league right now, or maybe going back 10, 15, 20 years, that you say, okay, my game is comparable to that guy? Or I model my game after that guy. I always like Dan Granger's game. You know, I'm from Bloomington, so uh, I was two hours. Indianapolis was two hours away from me, and I was back. When I was growing up, and he was really, you know, he was an all-star at the time. So I watched his game, and I always liked it. The Wolves would happily take Danny Granger in Keita Bates Jop. All right, let me get to some non-Wolves notes on the link. Somebody brought this up on Twitter, so I checked. The L.A. Sparks waived Kepi Pondexter, who's been a fixture in the league for a while. The question presented to me was, hey, do the Lynx have an interest in her? I am told by somebody close to her the answer is no. On the Vikings, they had a scout earlier in the week at Western Michigan. This kid was a P.J. Fleck recruit. Cornerback Sam Beal. Every NFL team was there. So the Vikings were among many watching Beal. He's eligible for the supplemental draft which is on July 11th. The Bills and Browns certainly are teams to watch on Beal. The Vikings were likely impressed, but the Vikings are not the safe bet using a supplemental pick on anyone, including Beal. But he will go. Somebody is going to take Beal, maybe even relatively high. Adonis Alexander is another player available in the supplemental draft. He is a defensive back from Virginia Tech. I'm told other teams are showing more interest than the Vikings. The Vikings certainly have reached out. They've done their due diligence on Alexander, but I'm told other teams are showing more interest. On the Twins, it's still trending toward them signing their first-round pick, Trevor Larnick, College World Series champion. Trevor Larnick from Oregon State, the Oregon State Beavers. What an epic series. Coming back... In Game 2, then winning Game 3, beating Arkansas in that best of three. And the buzz remains that the Twins can get Larnick a bit under slot. Not significantly under slot, but they can save a little bit of money on Larnick. And they have their sixth-round pick, the kid Mac. It is trending in the right direction as well. He just graduated from high school like four, five, six days ago. So the Twins continue to negotiate with his advisor. It's trending in the right direction. So the Twins remain positive that very soon they will have Larnick and Mack signed. We will see Jorge Polanco back with the Twins early next week, and certainly Byron Buxton is moving incredibly closer to rejoining the Twins as well. What other notes do I have? If you're a religious listener of this podcast, the Wilds buying out Tyler Ennis, shouldn't that be much of a surprise? Paul Martin, Elk River native, the Wild have a little bit of interest in that free agent. The Wild have $19 million in cap space heading into free agency Sunday morning, or at least Sunday is when you can officially start signing free agents in the National Hockey League. Some other basketball notes. Tyler Wall of Lakeville North, I was with him for a bit on Tuesday. He told me it was really hard to tell Richard Patino no. He called Patino. He wanted to have a conversation with Patino. He visited twice 
in the last like four, five, six weeks. He certainly had a ton of interest in being a gopher. The gophers wanted Wall badly, but he told the gophers no. He told the Wisconsin Badgers yes. I will play back an interview with Tyler on my next Scoop podcast, which will be sometime the week of July 9th. I'm taking some time off the July 4th week, but I can play back a conversation with Tyler the week of July 9th, where he explains in detail about how hard it was to tell the Gophers no, but why he loves the Wisconsin Badgers. Ben Carlson, class of 2020 from East Ridge High School forward. He is visiting Stanford this weekend. He visited the Gophers middle of the week. He took in a practice. Gino Crandall is on a visit to Gonzaga this weekend on the Mackey and Judd show Friday on 1500 ESPN when I filled in for Phil. I predicted, just playing the percent chance game, that I'll take my chances with him going to either Xavier or Gonzaga, but he took another visit to the U, so he told us on a recent Scoop podcast the plan wasn't to take an official visit to the U. He actually did a half-day official visit earlier in the week. He watched film with Richard Pitino. He broke down the depth chart with Richard Pitino, and they had lunch. So that was after the Xavier visit, before the Gonzaga visit. He did not make his way to Colorado State. So it's down to Xavier, the Gophers, and Gonzaga. What's hard to quantify is, as I record this, is he's still on the Gonzaga visit. So I don't know how that visit went. I do know he had a blast at Xavier, but he likes a lot of things about the Gophers. But I would say it's up in the air. I don't have a real strong feeling, or put it this way, I don't have as strong a feeling as I did after I left my conversation with Gino a week ago when he talked about what a dream it would be to play at Williams Arena, him being friends with Jarvis Johnson, Amir Coffey, Eric Curry, getting to know other members of the Gophers. I left that conversation thinking, you know what? The Gophers have a really good chance to get Gino. I still think they have a chance. They have not been eliminated, but I'm just saying I think he's got a very open mind. He also talked about in that conversation on a recent Scoop podcast about it being a business decision. So I think he is weighing heavily the pluses and minuses of either going to Xavier or Gonzaga. It's not all about the Gophers at this very moment. All right, that'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 157. I'll be omnipresent on social media, specifically Twitter, D Wolfson KSTP, as NBA free agency starts at 11 p.m. Central on Saturday night. But I am, after my Channel 5, 10 o'clock news duties on Saturday night, I am taking a week off from the office, a little staycation, a little getaway to a local lake, some fishing time, some jet skiing time, all that good stuff. 4th of July week. So I will not be in front of a microphone for a number of days. Maybe that's a good thing for many of you. Maybe it's a bad thing. Who knows? But I always appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful 4th of July. Enjoy NBA and NHL free agency. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. 
plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.